Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nakoba is at an undisclosed location. Maybe he'll talk about it when he gets back, but he didn't want us to say anything, but he's on a trip. So it'll just be the three of us. Andrew Kitaki's here, and uh, we'll be introducing him in a second. Before we begin, let me remind our listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. You can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to download the podcast. And of course, you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. If you'd like to help the show get more music on the channel, please go to patreon.com and donate. There you will be more involved with the show and help determine who and what is filmed. And actually, we have our new 2022 t-shirts coming Mm. out soon. So Kyle designed a new t-shirt design. So all of our $10 and up Patreons, and in fact... If you want to get if you want to get in on this deal, all of our five dollar and up patrons from now till the end of the year will get the 2022 T-shirt that will be mailed out in January. So everyone will get it. <coughs> um, we'd like to thank Kupu Kupu Landscaping, landscape architects. Call Kevin Yokomura seven two two eight six eight five for a free estimate. Dang, you know I'm looking down at my sheet. I can't even read the phone number anymore it's time for glasses bro it's it's getting to be that time i've been pushing it off for so long but i think it's we're getting there i'm gonna need glasses soon and of course fort ruger market thank you very much for the food i had the plate a today which is uh lao lao kalua pig pipikaula haupia it's got some lomi salmon there how the squid luau was super ono okay so squid luau got the thumbs up uh, so thank you for Ruger Market and, of course, Elite Discount Furniture for our lovely table yes. here. All right. Uh, you can find Devin on Kumu 94.7 in the mornings. You can go to highlifeclothing.com to find all the Kyle's designs. Kyle, what is, what's <coughs> going on for the um, Sorry. Christmas spirit thing? Do you have any Christmas-themed clothes coming out? Um, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. So we'll move on to our <laughs> guest. Who wants that? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if people would want to buy Christmas clothes. We oh, we have a year of the tiger design out for oh, New Year's. Oh, yeah, the tiger. Okay, yeah, right. there you go. We don't do Christmas stuff too much. Yeah. All right. Would okay. you wear one if it did Malikaliki Maka on it? And and no, it's just, right? You can't wear it all year, right? Yeah, so it's you like got <laughs> a window of time to wear that t-shirt. Yeah. Well, I'm not a Christmas person. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not a holiday person. I don't get in the spirit of it. Yeah, me really. neither. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> me too. Uh, I, don't, I don't, you know, poop on people who do. I think no. it's kind of nice if you get into the Christmas spirit and stuff. Like yeah, that. my wife's all about it. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I mean, as far as the decorations and all like that and stuff. But if you're in retail... Like this time of year is always just yeah. this grueling. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, there's no Christmas spirit yeah. in retail. <laughs> You're already working. It's oh, nice to make God. sales, but oh yeah. man, you just end up like kind of away from your family for most of the month. Mm. I time of year when you're trying to make back all the money you lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, you know, <laughs> we're gonna go to Disney World at the end of the year, though. So oh, awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, well, let's introduce our guest. This is. Uh, the wonderful Mr. Andrew Kitakis is joining us. He is the owner of the ukulele site store in Haleiwa. Uh, it specializes in ukulele. Uh, do you specialize in ukulele sales? Is that Absolutely, correct? yeah. Okay, all right. I uh, used to work at Ko'olau Ukuleles, family business, mm-hmm. uh, making custom ukuleles and guitars. Yeah. Do you do any of that anymore? No, but I would... Uh, you know, one day I'm going to get back into it when I <laughs> have the time. I'd love to just have like a, a little shop in the back of my house and make an instrument a year or something. So oh. was, was Kola your family business back in the day? And you learned from there and then yeah. branched off and did your retail? Yeah. So um, my parents lived here and then moved away when um, my mom was pregnant with me. They went... Uh, First to Washington, and then I grew up mostly on a farm in North Carolina where... Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. My parents were kind of hippies that decided that they were going to get away. And so we had, like, you know, big farm with, like, tons of goats and, you know, tons of chickens and, you know, 
big garden and all of that kind of stuff. And um, and then we moved back here when when I was 16. But my my dad over there did um, he built mandolins and guitars and and he was like the gold warranty repair center for Martin and Taylor. And I actually wow. oh, yeah I a couple that. times went up with him to the Martin factory to work with the the people there for a week you know just to they with their their gold warranty people at that time they wanted you know to spend some time make sure everybody's on the same page with different things but yeah got to go to taylor and um, wow he was like i think the third warranty repair center for taylor back in the day when they were still kind of a young company but yeah for for all of those people so um so and it's instruments it's, was in your blood basically yeah i but mean yeah the ukulele wasn't introduced until you came to hawaii for you or did you did you go, did your father repair ukuleles too yeah yeah i mean like you know there wasn't many over there yeah but, <laughs> but um my dad would always be playing like gabby albums and stuff i mean they you know i think like they wouldn't have moved if like my mom's ex wasn't so crazy so they were just like we're gonna get away from hawaii but also i don't know they just had some like idea a little house on the prairie kind of deal in their head for raising kids you know out in the country but um yeah what were we talking about oh (laughs) with music yeah i was working at the shop when i was like you know pre-teen i was already like you know helping him with stuff in there and then for both me and my brother like yeah throughout our teenage years we learned how to repair instruments and you know did different processes in the building and stuff like that yeah at that time did you guys tinker and start to build your own instruments too well yeah my dad my dad i mean he would make guitars and mandolins and they would sell for a lot of money at the time but it was like that was probably only 10 percent of what he did because the repair business and his whole philosophy too was that there's enough good instruments in the world we, <laughs> we need to repair you know and a lot of the stuff we would get would be like um you know 1930s and 40s martins yeah, okay. and, you know, wow. doing restoration on like some instruments that are gonna sound better than anything you can make right now at least you know with like you know 60 year old wood in them see i should have brought my martin <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was asking if you were a, like a musical historian, and I was like, I, I wouldn't call you an historian. No, I, I mean, I have an know, old Martin ukulele yeah. that I wanted to learn well, about. You know, Kylan is who I would refer to at, at uh-huh. this point. Do you okay. know Kylan Reese? I don't know Kylan. I know, I think I've heard the name. Yeah, he's an amazing lap steel player, but he's a um, he he's just wrote a book on um the guitar in Hawaii and a lot of he went to the Martin factory and did a lot of research there but he's yeah he's the guy to talk to about any sort of like Martin uh historical thing tell the story again how did you find you that Martin? Ta- you should have him on here too I'm gonna send you his number because oh, okay. he's a fascinating guy I mean like his knowledge of like the history of music in Hawaii and and all of that is okay. really deep. yeah that's a good idea yeah can I tell the story? How did you find that Martin again? I was cruising through an estate sale shop, and he was sitting on a barrel. It's a small little Martin soprano. So I ran across the street to a, um, a Hawaiian vintage store, and he had old Martins hanging on the wall. So I looked at the wall, and I go, are those worth a lot of money? He goes, yeah, that's like, you know, like about 900 700 And I go, okay, what about this picture right here? And he goes, oh, that's going to be worth even more because, you know, I was always inlay mm. and the fretboard went all the way down to the hole yeah yeah yeah. so he goes you see all these they, do, they don't go down to the hole yeah what well, it's not a style o then it's probably yeah. like a style three so he goes it's like worth that. a lot of money yeah and i said hang on and i ran back across <laughs> the street and i bought it for like i think 265 bucks or something nice like but and it's in good condition wait when was this recently yeah because you know back in the day you could score stuff but since the internet people just look stuff up yeah yeah. this was like five years ago. like the yard sale deals don't really happen anymore because everybody's hip to what yeah literally three to five years ago so i I bought it and then i went home and i went online i was like whoa this thing is kind of you know worth something but i always you know wanted to know the history of it you know and stuff yeah 
Very cool. Yeah. And so, you still got it. So yeah, it still wasn't it. just to turn money up. No, no. So Kylan would be the guy to talk to okay. for that. Yeah, Kylan Reese. And he's a really good musician, too. He's a, he's a monster on guitar. Well, anybody can play steel is good. Yeah, he's really good at lap steel. I mean, he's a guitar player, probably, but he's a mandolin player. And, um, yeah, he's, he's the man when it comes to all of that. He just wrote a book on, I forget what it was exactly called, but it's on, it's on the history of music in Hawaii. Oh, oh cool. So 0 to 16, you're living in where now? North Carolina? Yeah. Um, Wataga. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we moved down to the, like, Asheville area, like, you know, when I was, like, in my teenage years. And then my um, grandparents got sick and we moved back. Oh, here. Yeah. I would come to Hawaii during that time regularly. Okay. And I mm. wanted to live in Hawaii. Like, what the hell are we doing over here? <laughs> <laughs> I want to surf. <laughs> Well, I, I just remember my introduction to you folks was uh, Tracy Tarada, who lived, you know, near, worked near you guys. Mm-hmm. And he, and I think at that time, you, Chino Montero was playing a ko'olau ukulele. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you got to hear these ko'olau ukuleles. And I thought, wow, this, because at, at this time, this is like 94, oh, yeah. 95, yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, there wasn't ko'aloha yet. There wasn't uh Kanilea yet. Yeah. So it was kind of like Kamaka was... It was Kamaka over. and G-String. Yeah, yeah. G- know, oh, G-String yeah, came, just yeah. came out or something like that. I don't so even think... Yeah, I don't think... I don't think G-String was out that early. But yeah. maybe I'm wrong. No, I didn't G- know G-string about it. G-String was out like in the mid-90s, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, boy, this is the only ukulele I've ever pl- heard that sounds like as good as a Kamaka. Mm. You know? But then they were just expensive because you guys only made like a, a few every year you know so you couldn't really get well, one at first they were like not too expensive but yeah i mean in yeah in relation to like the other things on the market at the time yeah 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 but when you look so, at what we were selling them for back then yeah. compared to now it's like wow those were cheap <laughs> yeah yeah as far as cool uh, goes but it was to me it was like it was like the bentley of ukulele like it was expensive and but it was high quality but I'm like, well, if I ever bought that, I would never play. What well, we wanted, like, I, I yeah, I mean, there wasn't much in the realm of custom ukuleles at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where was the shop located? Kanihui, right next to where they would record at Four String Studio. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, so it was really nearby. Although I didn't really know Andrew very well till after that. But um, yeah, I mean, I stopped by a couple. Of th- I can't remember why I stopped by, but um, I knew Tracy well, but then and and I um, and I gave. Jake, a steel string solid body tenor that I oh, made at one point. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I but I don't that. even know what happens. I'm sure he, he might have been like, what am I going to do with this or whatever. I, I don't know. I remember him playing that thing. Really? He brought it to a practice and he was playing it. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Steel string. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of like, it sounded like a guitar. Well, that was the first of, you know, I made that and... You know, it was just kind of like a prototype, but that's a Kolau model now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like bang it on the table. But um, but yeah, that's a that's actually a Kolau model now, but with oh, nylon really? strings. Oh, yeah. nylon. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, I just remember it. And they make a steel string version too. But yeah. Yeah, I just remember it not sounding very ukulele. Yeah. So then when we played it, we're like, well, I should how have do we done fit nylon to our sound. You know. I didn't really expect much. So I just thought, like, <laughs> because for me, it was like a little project I did after work. And I just figured, like, whatever, like, if if I give it, it's not going to, you know, maybe something will happen yeah, at some sure. point. With it. I mean, that's how a lot of things do happen. Yeah, right. right? I mean, you whatever. Just never know. So the Throw shop is there. still in Kaneohe? No. We moved no? everything out to Haleiwa now. Okay, so, so not, not everything's in Haleiwa. Well, um, the Kaneohe shop was Ko'olau, um, which is in Wahiwa now. It, right next to where um, we, our workshop is. The store, the ukulele site is up in Holly even now. Okay. So, when was it, 2000, 2003, I had a kid and it was two years later that I started the store. You know, I mean, 
building instruments isn't something you can really make a lot of money doing mm. and when you start having kids and start thinking how am i going to afford life in hawaii right, with a right, family right. and everything so me and my wife started going to the swap meet um on saturday mornings i think and we would get up at like 4 a.m and pack the van and go down um and we did pretty good for a while enough to like save up enough and then on the upstairs level of uh where Kola was, we started a, a store and people would come find us and then go upstairs and be like, oh, wow. Oh. It was kind of a hole in the wall, but like when people discovered us, it was, I don't know, like people bought there, like it sold really well, even though it was like this like kind of nook in a warehouse that like, and then people tell their friends and then, you know, it, it, it just kind of had that vibe of like something that you're, you're discovering you know so you packed your van up and went to the Loa stadium swap meet mm -hmm. with ukuleles you were sitting oh ukuleles yeah, yeah yeah but what, what brands were you sitting out of there um i would buy lonnie kai's at the time okay and then i would set them up to play a little bit better mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of same model that we're doing now <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so like a lot of the inexpensive instruments are pretty close to being pretty good if you just yeah. you know yeah and the customer at the swap meet isn't looking to, to spend a ton of money on a ukulele they probably want to just buy some oh yeah i would never bring learn, a right? coal out there to sell yeah. you know yeah but i tell people not because i get the question asked a lot like oh my kid is getting into ukulele what should i buy and i'm like you can go to the ukulele site or um there's tyler's place in waikiki i, I can't uh man my brain is Ukulele uh, store. Ukulele maybe? store, yeah. Ukulele yeah. Store. I heard I mean, he just got a bunch of stuff stolen. Oh, no, no way. Did you see that, that store? No, I didn't. I don't know if it was out of the store, but if you check his Instagram, there's like a Divine and a couple um, Limanas. Limanas, the one other guy in those early days of, of uh, Ko'olau that was building some really nice custom mm. stuff. But he only he's only made like a couple... A year through the years so a lot of people don't even know about him yeah i've never heard of him but um yeah but you can go online now and get a decent ukulele for like a hundred bucks you know something that you can just play mm -hmm. um where They've before so much better you couldn't you couldn't ever think of doing that when we started i mean yeah it actually had gotten better when when if you go back to the mid 90s like mm -hmm an import like like music mac used to sell these 300 hundred dollar imports that were like pretty bad yeah mm -hmm. i mean like hundred dollar ukes now like way better yeah. so it's just a matter of like luthiers went to the china factories to work with them enough and then they stepped up and then you know i mean you can make something good anywhere mm -hmm. it's just we've consistently looked at the asian countries to make stuff cheap mm -hmm. so that's what they do but you know it's kind of opening up there's what do you what, do you, what is the most thing you sacrifice is it the sound or just the the the, the um, to me it's the tuning like the yeah, tuning doesn't tuning stay. or the construction of it mm, i don't know it's not that simple i mean like there's something that happens when you have a master builder doing something from beginning to end mm. i mean the continuity of that process just makes for like a masterful sounding he's you know each piece of wood is going to be slightly different the cellular structure is going to be different so it's like in a factory setting if everything's taken to like eighty thousandths of an inch at the top it's like you end up with some that sound good and some that sound like kind of okay right mm -hmm. but um if you had like a master luthier there like i mean and and you kind of have to leave the thicknesses like a little bit thicker to give yourself the room and stuff so so yeah the sound is not going to be as good as like you know a custom instrument but i don't know it's hard to say because like i still think like kamakas and kolohas like just sound better than <laughs> like the chinese imports mm. but um I don't know something about the magic in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. wood, the way the wood sits with the uh, moist air. Yeah, the humid air, or something like that. Huh. So okay, 
So this other, other question I had was, I was going to ask you when we were having lunch, but so you have the ukulele site now, right? So what distinguishes, and you have the podcast, which is great. Um, the How do people find you? Like what makes, because you can go to like Amazon and buy a cheap ukulele off Amazon, but what drives people to the ukulele mm. site and, you know, gets, what's the differenti- differentiating factor there? Yeah, so from the time that we started the online store, it was kind of with the model that, we're going to take these instruments and with our expertise, we are going to first QC and then we're going to improve them. So ah. like for 10 years, my basic job, my brother would give me a body and a neck and I would take it from there. But all of that final work um, is a process that we would put into the instruments that came through no matter what price range they were in so people be buying $150 ukes and they would get either me or Joel um, setting them up which is anywhere from half an hour to an hour and a half's worth of time and I mean playability is a lot of it but also um, in terms of like the the look a lot of times we're buffing out things and Mm. you know there's a lot of details that you'd be surprised. Even high-end builders don't catch sometimes. It's like they make this whole beautiful instrument, but our specialty is that final process so and you getting guys everything much, just right. You pretty much buy from manufacturers, look at it, then dial it in before it's yeah. put on a shelf to sell. Right which, now, which, which is different than buying on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. Right now... Um, Billy is our setup manager, and I mean, he worked for Taylor for 10 years. He ran the Blue Guitars um, repair department for 10 years, and a, a bunch, he's got like 40 years of full time Luthery experience. And even like the customs that he's made, like he makes an amazing guitar too. But, um, but yeah, he's very anal and making sure like everybody's on that same page. So, Right now we have Chris and Ben and him that full time all they do is they take orders and they improve the playability of them and the the look and it improves the sound too. You mm. know, I mean um, So basically when you the level when you order from the ukulele side, you're that. not just getting the ukulele but you're getting a like a once over review a set from up you guys. Ukulele. Yeah, and that's that's why people shop with us. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean that's that's basically what it what it is. Is the majority of the tweaking um, the action, or is it the tuning, or what? what is it, the- yeah, um, a lot of it is the action. Um, so, in order to have the lowest possible action without buzzing, all of the frets need to be perfectly level, and practically nobody seems to get that right, like mm. out of the box. Huh. But. Um, but yeah, that's what we do. We we dial that in. So when those are replaying, they have to be recrowned, and then yeah, there's a whole process for that. But also yeah, nut slots and and saddle heights, and um, and then just a lot of like cosmetics, you know, of, of getting the thing looking as good as possible. You know what? But a guitar, when you adjust in the action, you adjust the neck, and then the bridge usually has some kind of bolts that you can rise and. Depends you know, on w- uh, what it is. You don't yeah, you don't get all of those adjustments from an ukulele. Either. Yeah, that's yeah. What so a lot of times, like the bridge and stuff, or well, like say if intonation is off, you have like a little bit of room to work with with the saddle. Like the point can be at the front or it can be at the back, which is going to make some difference in terms of of, of that with the intonation. Um, but we reject a lot. We return a lot, like with the more affordable stuff it's probably at least 20 percent of the stuff goes back to the manufacturer wow yeah so they don't love us in that way but <laughs> i mean we're yeah i mean we're on the customer side we just want to make sure and we're shipping it all over the world so it's like if you're putting it up in a store and it's like certain things don't bother people, that's one thing, you know, but mm-hmm. we don't know who's on the other end and mm-hmm. we're going to assume that they're as picky as, 
you know, the pickiest person. You know, um, being that you did work with Taylor and Martin and all in, in the past, is the ukulele more of a, something that you get inconsistent, even if it's the brand, as far as having you set it up? Or what, is does that mm. come along with guitars too, mm. you know? No, yeah, there's a little bit more. Like, Billy's constantly frustrated, but, yeah. <laughs> I think certain guitar companies might have it more dialed in, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's like we work, we work with the the companies too. If like if we're consistently having issues with them, then then you know we go to them. And and Billy's even been to some of the K Brands um, facilities to work with them for a day with their final setup department, just to like here's the issues that we're consistently fixing. So, um, you know, take it for what it's worth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the other thought that I had, maybe maybe you're not the guy to answer this, but probably um, not. But <laughs> ma- maybe you are. So um, I bought a Kamaka hundred year anniversary ukulele mm. on a whim. Like I thought, oh, you know, this might be worth something one day. And I saw it for sale, a similar one that I have for much more than what mm. I paid for it. Do you think uh, certain ukuleles might be good investments? Long term, or yeah, for sure. I've thought about collecting some, you know, but well, uh, it used to be a a lot more of a collector market back around the two thousands. There was oh, the two thousands, really. Yeah, and there was a lot more for the vintage, you know, type of collectibles. There's not much you can buy now necessarily that's gonna or buy new that's gonna appreciate unless it's something like that. Like the hundred year Kamakas definitely will appreciate over time. But it's one of those things where it's like, hold on to it for like 20 or 30 years, and then it'll be right. worth like a lot more than what it is right now, you know? Um, like a Chuck Moore, because it's like... They don't make them... Well, yeah, it, and, and it's like, he's only got so many ukes left in him, and they're like, ah. so, you know, the inlays and art on them and stuff like that. Or, yeah, certain like vintage Martins, like what Kyle has, is going to continue to increase in value over time mm. is there a website or somebody that's kind of setting the market value on these things as it's as it as the years go by is it like a beckett you know of we used to, like, or we like used to buy the check. blue books every year and stuff and uh-huh. then it's like the internet kind of just like deems what's worth what now you know versus ah. there was an ukulele blue book the ukuleles were in the blue book not a lot of ukuleles were but you could find kamakas in there and stuff like that you know um but those you mean blue like a blue book, were, like the Kelly Blue Book for cars? They, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, they made for, for instruments, too. Oh. They're kind of geared towards buyers, though. I felt uh. almost bad sometimes showing people the price. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, it's like... Uh, but, yeah, for for the information now, you, you can find everything online. Um, like, there's vintage martin forums even and stuff like that but you know yeah if you go on to reverb you can usually like or ebay and mm. search what things have been selling for i gotta maybe i gotta get into that i'm trying to like figure out like you know obviously you don't want to keep your money in a bank account get no interest or anything but uh maybe collectibles are the way to go yeah, that uh, sports car industry has skyrocketed during COVID. yeah sports cars are crazy yeah but i can't afford sports cars no yeah. sports cards Oh, sports cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Even that has gone up. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But, but I feel you, like... Wow. You, can, you can play an ukulele. It's more fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, ukuleles, uh, yeah, there's some... You know, you can do something with it. But a sports card... I used to have, like, baseball cards. And after a while, you just... You know, the fad runs out. And you got to wait another 30 years for the cycle to pick up again. Oh, it's super hot now. I had a market. bunch of baseball yeah. cards back in the day. Like, tons. I used yeah. to, like, memorize people's, like batting averages yep. and stuff yep. like yep. that. It's like, you know, yeah. I, I I actually bought LeBron James rookie cards when he was a rookie. Oh, oh wow. really? And I kept it. And during COVID, the prices went crazy. Did you sell? No, I'm still holding on to it. But I don't know. You know, I don't know what to sell it for. I mean, I guess I could check eBay, but I'm No, nah, don't sell it. I mean, it's, it's until you need to. Yeah, I guess so. Because, I mean, it's Retirement. Only, <laughs> probably only going to go up. I don't know. I don't know. What is that Depends rookie? unless the whole system comes down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because it's one of those things, like, it goes in and out of favor, right? Yeah, yeah that's hot true. for a that's few true. years, and then people will give it up. And if he retires, I don't know if it's going to be worth more or less. Right, right, you right. Know, so, wow. Well, you know, I, I got to tell my son, 
you know what I used to do for fun back in your in when I was your age? I used to look at cardboard cards. And eat the bubble and gum. And memorize stats. Yeah. <laughs> horrible bubble gum, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, horrible bubble gum that basically dislocated your jaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sat down on it, you know? <laughs> Jeez, yeah, when you think about our childhood versus his... Well, and then I was thinking, so there's all these... NF- my friend keeps talking to me about NFTs. NFTs and stuff. Yeah. I have no idea what, what it is. And he's buying all these, like, oh, I got this... Disney NFT. I got this whatever NFT, and I was like, I think that stuff is all scammy. I don't know. It's 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 like, I feel like it's pumped up by the people that are invested in Ethereum because you have to like right use that for it and stuff. And I don't know. There's just something silly. It's like this piece of digital currency that everybody can see, but then you want the bragging right of saying it's right, yours right, or right, something. Right. Or I, I just want to see somebody resell it and actually get that worth. I mean, I guess it's... People, people do. Yeah, I people, mean, like, it's do. going around, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can say whatever. It's probably going to, you know, the early people getting into it are probably going to do really well. So right. say whatever. I, I, like I, I think what's scary is we've all reached that age where we're going, kids nowadays. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, we're that at that age now where we don't understand it's, what's happening. You know, I'm trying to, like... Yeah, it's going to pass me by. I'm going to be asking my kids how to do this thing pretty soon. At the same time, like, I think we're different than our fathers because yeah. at least I have, like, some knowledge of what's going on with the younger people. Maybe I don't understand it, but, yeah, my dad would probably never, you know, think about what I was doing with computers and stuff. And It's funny because, like, I don't remember my parents ever, like, playing with us. Yeah, yeah, that's Just what like, I used to. That's yeah. what I tell people all the time too. Like the idea of my dad sitting down and going, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like, yeah. know, can I jump in? I feel like we do a lot more of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. John does a lot. He plays with his kids yeah. Fortnite every night. Yeah, you know. So that's yeah, how run, run I mean, video games and stuff, and yeah. then he goes on on his skateboard and I can't yeah. skateboard anymore. I'll probably hurt myself, but I go out there and watch. Yeah. So it's a, it's but a, but yeah, I mean, it's exponential though, as far as the technology. So I. I wouldn't doubt like there's gonna come a point to where like I'm just gonna tap out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the podcast now. So you have the ukulele site, which is where you can order ukuleles and whatnot. But then you have your YouTube channel where you do a podcast and you interview people, it's similar to what we're doing, but a little bit more with uh, with the music involved, which is kind of neat. Yeah. So, um, so and you show off the new equipment, the new items, right? The customs. Yeah. It's basically like this format, but also set up with what you got in that room. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Meshed together. Yeah. 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 And and that's what I like. It's kind of unique in that sense. And it kind of was just born out of our desire to like show instruments while having a conversation about them. So it's like Choreo or Kalei will be like showing an instrument. We'll be discussing things about it. Woods, strings. You know, we all have our own opinions and whatnot, and then, um, and then we'll get a sound sam- proper sound sample of it, and then they can jam something with a couple instruments to kind of show it within a, you know, that setting, and and we have fun. I mean, it's it's probably the most fun part of my week <laughs> during that time. The rest of it is invoices and uh, orders. And yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Have you have you ever got a shipment of something new and been like? Holy crap! This is amazing. Or like all the time. Really? Well, what are some brands that have come in that just kind of blew you away? Oh well, any of the like custom stuff. Um, you know, we got we had a a more beta come a few weeks ago that the auction ended on Saturday uh, Sunday for eighteen thousand dollars. It sold. Whoa! But, I mean, it was. It was an amazing instrument. Mo what, beta? What, what, what is that? What is that? An ukulele. Chuck Moore is a builder in. Uh, kind of the Puna area of the Big Island. Okay. Oh, okay. And um, he's super talented. I think I, oh, An yeah, $18,000 yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I, I think I Which saw isn't, I mean, the la- the one we had before that, it, it auctioned for 21000 Wow. So like, yeah, his stuff gets a lot of money. Can I see a picture of that later on? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I, I can't remember going to maybe his website, and I remember there was this guy on the Big Island and uh, his ukuleles were like ten thousand dollars, and that was in like two thousand four, or something like that. 
I think it's the same guy. Yeah, maybe. Well, what what is it about his instruments that make it so expensive? I mean, they, they sound the and they feel amazing too in beautiful woods. But he's a uh, he does these inlays and he does it a lot of times with this um, what's called scrimshaw art, which is a pointillism where it's like thousands of little dots and then. Uh, he puts a dye and wipes it, you know, so it's shading. Oh, so it's so like an art piece pretty yeah, much Yeah, so, um, so he'll take like ivory and then basically like, at, you know, do his thing and then it looks like a beautiful wahine at the end, you know, wow. kind of a deal. Wow. What is his construction time for a piece like that? I don't Months? Know. Years? No, I mean, he's fairly fast, but you know, it's like what you're paying for is like, like it took him you know 60 years of his life you know it's like mm. he's an artist first of all but then it's like you know it took him many years to get to where he's at in luthery and with art you know so and it's like what things are worth on that realm i don't really know that's why i do auctions with his yeah. because it's like ah. just let the people decide so typically with his i'll just start him at nine grand and just see where it goes you know let the people decide because do I don't think, know. Who do you think is buying that? What kind of customer? Is it an ukulele player or an art person that's buying it? Um, both. I mean, it's it's probably an ukulele person that, that also loves art. But if you if you go up on the North Shore right now, you'll see um, semi-famous artists with like, you know, one of 50 reprint G-clays going for $1,000 each and stuff mm. like that. It's like, this is not... This is art that there's no way to reprint it. It's one of a kind. It's a concept that he's never going to redo from mm -hmm. an artist at the top of his game. So it's like... And it has functionality to it, too. And it plays yeah. and sounds amazing, too. So, yeah. I think I've told this story on the podcast, but it's been a while. One of the nicest house I've sold was uh, Kahala Avenue property. Five, five million plus a few years ago. So it's probably more than that now. But the owner had all these art pieces in the house and like i'm not used to that kind of money <laughs> being around you know but they're like oh th so they had these like glass balls on the table they look like you know the fishing balls that mm, float yeah. over from japan but it was painted and stuff and they're like oh that's like dutch artist does those and it's like twenty thousand dollars a ball or something jesus. <laughs> it's like oh, jesus christ if i tripped and fell <laughs> i could cost myself 40 yeah. grand you know this is what's on the table yeah, the so art world is people, funny like yeah. that because it's it's like it's hard to tell, you know. I mean, I couldn't necessarily spot what was like yeah. worth a lot and not worth a lot. Yeah, but yeah. I can see where they could get one of those ukuleles, put it in a glass because they had Nihal shell lays up displayed yeah. as well in that house, mm. which I'm assuming were super yeah. expensive too. And oh yeah, I mean people, you know, they buy boats and stuff like that, so it's like it's not it's yeah. not all that, but then. For some people, that that might be just their dream. You know, that's what they saved up for. Huh. All right. So maybe I will. I will do that. Buy ukuleles. Buy ukuleles. I don't know. Oh, save up eighteen thousand dollars and you can I get say one. Yes. Okay. I gotta figure out what. It, like I, the thing is too. Like I have that hundred year kamaka, and it was hanging in my just on this, my house for a long time, until I told my wife how much it was worth, and she's like. Put that thing away. The kids are going to freaking throw something at yeah. it. It's going to fall off the wall. And then you're going to be like, oh, okay. No, nah, I'm, like I'm more for like, like I have but a more better dusty, ukulele. You know? um, and it's like, you know, worth a, a lot of money. I go camping with it and stuff. Just cause really? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's like you only live once. But you can always put yours back on the wall and sell it and grab another one. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I care a lot about it with, 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 you know, one from... Like I have actually two Chuck Moores, and with both of them, like I I do care a lot. Like I don't think they're replaceable or anything yeah. like that. But also, I don't get that much time to play. So it's like, what am I gonna do? Bring a uh, cheap one when I do? <laughs> it's like, so yeah. Yeah, there's something about having a good ukulele. I have I have another ukulele that Kolaha gave me many years ago, and and it's funny because I have I got to give credit to my wife because she puts up like guitar holder things nice. on, on all over the walls so I can just grab stuff. But, um, Oh, she put up those. Yeah. You didn't have to ask her then. She just no. like, wow. She's like, Oh, this should be out. So you can just grab it and play yeah. it if you want, you know, 
That's a good wife. That's a good yeah. wife. I don't think my wife will let me drill a hole in the wall <laughs> and hang anything. Oh, she, it. yeah, she hangs them. But, uh, but I end up grabbing the ukulele every day. I don't grab the guitars because they're, they're kind yeah. of big and bulky, and I can just grab the ukulele, sit in my chair, and just you know, pluck away for a bit yeah. and then put That's it back. That's what the ukulele is for a lot of people, especially guitar players. They've kind of gravitated towards just the comfort of, you know. Yeah. And you have to be able to sit down and watch yeah. TV. And for me, around. like, it's a lot, like, if you're at your computer, you can have an ukulele. Yeah. But, yeah. like, a guitar is just too much. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Especially if your seat has, has uh, was it, armrests or whatever. Yeah. It's you know what I have? When Derek Shimuzu from G-String was starting off in his garage in Kamiki, uh-huh. I have his prototypes. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I would go over, because I was friends with his brother, really yeah, good friends yeah, with his yeah. brother. He's, he's in like, Las Vegas now. Yeah, right? and he's just lying down. He's like, oh, you, whatever you want, you can buy it from me, whatever. And it was like before everything started for him. I still yeah, have we, it. I used to go pick up from him in Halava when they had the... When he had the shop yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. So... So how has the COVID affected your business and stuff? Is everything okay? I mean, I guess you have the online, so that helps, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, for most of 2020, the store was closed, but the online sales were more. Uh, yeah, because I guess people were stuck at home. They're like, yeah. oh, maybe I'll pick up an instrument or something. Yeah. So we were okay. And you say that your orders come from all over the world. Um where where do you i mean like literally everywhere or? it used to be more like i feel like the exchange rate keeps getting worse in oh, a lot of these countries yeah, you yeah, know? yeah yeah and also the thing is when when we started however many years ago like we were kind of a rarity so it's like mm-hmm. the ukulele got more and more popular but then it's like you know, like a few years back, you had like a NAM report come out that said like ukuleles were like the biggest selling thing. Uh, and then it's like the amount of sellers and makers and everything just got flooded. So it's like early on, we were shipping a large portion of stuff internationally to where, you know, a lot of times to Europe, to the UK, to Australia, uh, you know, of course, Asia. But then it's like more and more those places started to have like stores their, their there yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, cover their own bases and then exchange rates getting worse and stuff. But we still ship internationally and um, it's probably, I don't know, maybe close to 20% of our orders. Yeah, yeah I know Alan from Kuala when we interviewed him. He said a bunch of ukuleles go to China. There's a big popularity of ukuleles in China. Was it China or Korea? Yeah, China. 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 I mean, he's probably yeah. shipping a lot of kolohas yeah. to, sh- to China, yeah. It's a big country. There's a lot of people. And then I asked him, maybe I can ask you. There's a lot of people too. with money, too, over there. When mm-hmm. those guys pick up the ukulele, what do you think the first song they learn <laughs> is when they pick it up in China? Is it surf from Kyle Cradle Boys? <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole culture you know? over there for it now. But, but is it a Hawaiian culture or is it a completely different It's thing? getting to be completely their own thing. But, yeah. wow. I mean... Early on, it was very Hawaii-linked for people that both Japan and China and, you know, all parts of Asia kind of had a infatuation with Hawaii culture in a, or at least, you know, certain people, pockets within there did. And, and that was kind of why the ukulele was embraced. But then now you've got, like, schools all throughout China for teaching ukulele and they have their curriculums and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, and they've got their songs and whatnot i mean they use some hawaii songs and you know they might you know play like some of like pure heart stuff but it's like also like a bunch of like chinese songs and stuff yeah i I think it's becoming so integrated into everybody's it's it's not just an instrument not a hawaiian instrument instrument. and it is just an instrument you know i mean you can do whatever you want with it like you can see people down in Brazil making their music with mm-hmm. it and all, you know, with whatever culture. It, it's, it could be whatever it's you want it to Thailand. be. Yeah, it was bigger about five years back or so. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sizzled off with Thailand. But, yeah, we were sending some real high-end stuff to Thailand there for a little while. Wow. Yeah. There's a guy over there that's like... Singto. Uh, well, yes, Singto, yeah. I got to record him a few times when he you came did? over here. Oh, yeah, 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 he, yeah, he's so cool. He's awesome, yeah. That guy so, is super chill and yeah. he's kind of like a 
Thailand's Jack Johnson or yeah, something yeah. like that. He's friends with Kalei. This guy okay. Singto Singto Namchak. Uh-huh. And um what is he Did playing? you do any high sessions? Yeah, we did the high oh, sessions yeah, yeah, yeah. with him. And he came in and he's just like this really cool guy. Yeah. Didn't even have an instrument. And he's like, uh, is there a guitar around here? And Dayton brought his guitar that day, so he used Dayton's guitar to play his stuff. What does he play though? What kind of music? He it's like, like singer songwriter stuff. Singer songwriter kind of stuff. It's really good. Like it's really yeah. Because he does like he sings in Thai and English. Oh okay. So it's kind of like he does a verse in Thai, then he'll do a verse in English, and it's catchy and it's fun. And yeah. Especially when he plays a Calais, it was super entertaining. Yeah, I, I recorded those two three or four times together one oh. time was like on a balcony in a waikiki hotel that was a really cool recording yeah yeah you recorded a ton of and, people in and I, I like showed up to the hotel with like my large diaphragm condenser mic and all my like video stuff and everything to set up in there because i don't i i can't I, for me like it hurts to listen to like phone footage on a <laughs> online of like you know a good song because it's like not doing it justice you know? yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i feel you too do i you mean have a um memorable performance that you did record um out of all the ones you did on the on the podcast yeah. i don't know i kind of forget everything sometimes <laughs> <laughs> they were all good you know kuana is like kind of like to me he's just got this like something pierces my soul when he sings it's mm. just so authentic it's like god <laughs> well yeah i remember when he first I, I hadn't heard him live i knew who he was when he came to high sessions uh -huh. the first time but then he like we set them all up got the sound going and then we're like okay sound check and then he started singing it's like holy mackerel yeah this is uh next level stuff like you could immediate yeah piercing is yeah yeah it just like hits you like holy There's something like guttural that he gives that's just like oh that's so yeah. perfect yeah he's uh, yeah he can kind of do it all because he can do like operatic stuff he can do the falsetto stuff he can kind of sing anything dude know? is so talented yeah he's he does all kinds of different like hawaiiana style stuff too like he'll have like videos teaching you how to make lays and all mm -hmm. kinds of different things yeah kuana torres his website has got all kinds of cool stuff but yeah i mean and still, like with his, like I didn't feel like I recorded it as well as oh, I, that. That's so much, so many times with me. I'm just like ah. Afterwards, I'm like I should have this and that. I was uh. like, if if you run it too hot because it's sounding good during the session and you want to kind of like pump it, then it's like you don't have any room afterwards uh -huh, to uh -huh. like you know. Mm -hmm. If it gets like a little bit grainy, then you're you know, there's no way to get rid of that. But um, yeah, there's been a lot of sessions where I'm like ah, like when I recorded. Um, Benny Chong and Byron, mm. which I mean, you know, it was good, but there's still like aspects of it where it's like, I wish I had this mic closer and whatnot. Uh, and like, well, I mean, yeah, you've had some monsters on there. You've had Mike on a bunch of times, but you kind of, mm -hmm. he kind of grew up at your shop. Yeah. Well, Mike. Mike Love. He was like probably like the second or maybe third like worker for me mm -hmm. like back when we were still in Kaneohe could you see the talent back then with oh him? yeah I mean like before he worked for me I would go watch them play with Tavana and Sam and stuff and mm. then Sam started working for me and then Mike came on board and it was me and Sam and Mike in the store all day huh. so you know I mean we would have a lot of fun but I still like try to get them to like be somewhat productive actually Mike was a really good <laughs> Mike was like he would I mean, he was the first one to just be like vacuuming and tuning and doing like he didn't he didn't like want to take advantage of any situations and stuff. And like later on, you know, he was more like like there was there's a point to where like uh, of years where he would just work on Fridays after he was already like touring and stuff just because he wanted to. And that was mostly like fooling around. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's such a gifted, wonderful person. And I I talked to him. At least once a week, you know, because uh, I consider him one of my best friends. Mm. Where is he now? Washington. Yeah, I want to go visit him. I had. It's one of these things. He moved up there right before the pandemic, right? No, I think it was going on. Oh, it was middle pandemic. Yeah. Mm. So I, I get, I get that it's a more central location to get other. He's places. out there. Oh, he's out in yeah, I mean, he's got a he's got like 30 acres 
in oh, like wow. nowhere, you know, Damn. but it's gorgeous. It, it's, and you know, so he, he spent the first while building his studio and mm -hmm. he's still kind of finishing up with that and stuff. And yeah, I'm, I hope to go visit him sometime. <laughs> well, Andrew, we come to the part of the podcast where we ask this question because it is a music podcast. If you were stuck on a desert island by yourself for the rest of eternity and you could only take three albums with you to listen to for the rest of the time, can it be great, greatest hits? Or best of. Yeah. What three albums would you take with you? Oh, jeez. I should have, like, thought about this. Well, well we, we try to spring it on people because uh, it's, uh, yeah. Let me think. Um... Well, Maybe I tell you, I tell Miles you. Davis kind of blue. Okay, okay, okay. Um, snarky puppy, we like it here. Oh, snarky, you're a snarky puppy fan. Huge, yeah. That thing lived in my player for like a year straight. And um, desert island, I'm gonna need something heavier. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. Deftones White Pony or no Around the Fur oh, I'll go Deftones okay, Around the Fur okay. <laughs> alright wow and we, you know it's funny so I can scream into the abyss <laughs> I like the Deftones and you grew up in North Carolina did you find did you uh, oh no I was already over here by the oh, time by the they way. were like yeah oh yeah. Well, yeah maybe it was college I'm trying to think like we're, cause we're the same age when they what is Snarky Poppy is it like a ska or is it like more like a punk no. band it's like uh progressive instrumental styles kind of jazz influence but yeah i'm not i'm not a snarky puppy guy i've seen him on like um what's that uh strip down um thing that everybody does tiny desk i've seen him mm. on tiny desk and stuff oh man you gotta watch some of the videos from we like it here oh, yeah. like they're so amazing but anyways you know <laughs> all right there's well, tons of amazing music so whatever well we're gonna take a quick break we're going to go to our Patreon and we'll be back with Andrew Kitaki's right after this.